The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. Good morning, good morning. So it is a rainy or an overcast Friday here in the Virgin Islands. And I am Summer Sibley Brown. And I'm filling in for Neville James as the host of Analyze This from WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. Um, and listen, you know, this is my last... This is Friday. I'm filling in last day as guest host. Um, I mean, I will be back, obviously, talking to Neville next week. So I'm not, like, going away. But this is the last day this week where you hear my voice for two hours in the morning. And I have the privilege of one. I think we're going to talk to the weather service this morning. We're going to do your normal power hour. And last time I was here, I had a great time talking to Director Fleming. And I learned so much about a lot of things that happen with energy and so he's going to be here in the first hour and then in the second hour we're going to talk to Zaid and Khalid Salim who are you know the winners of Startup Battle and they're going to talk to a little bit about Boomerang Eats and what Startup Battle was like so we do have a you know we didn't take an easy Friday because it was my last Friday tried to make it like really interesting very good conversation and so I am looking forward to just like diving in. Let me double check. Okay, so I want to let everyone know first and foremost that um, there's a rain event happening November 4th through the 7th. Um, it's going to be a combination of a polar trough and an increasing moisture from the south will result in um, an unsettled weather pattern. And it's going to begin late Friday, stretch into early next week. That's why we're overcast. And so for this reason, there's a flash flood warning that's issued, right? Um, the impacts of increasing shower and thunderstorms will enhance the risk of of um, flooding across the area. And although the forecast will be prone to flooding, the southern and eastern half of Puerto Rico, Vieques, Culebra, and the U.S. Virgin Islands are expected to receive the greater amounts of rain. So we're looking at three to six inches of rain are expected. Um, and in some areas, higher isolated amounts, right? So marine and coastal conditions will also continue to deteriorate during this weekend due to a combination of increasing winds and northerly swells. And then you can expect seas of se seven to 10 feet um, with winds out of the southeast at 20 to 25 knots and stronger gusts. High rip currents and so there's a risk and dangerous breaking waves to be expected. I am not a meteorologist. I, all right, <laughs> I'm not. I, I, I aptly read that information. It's also online for you. Pay attention to weather um, this weekend. You know, last time Director Joshin was here, he talked about when, you know, going through those two feet puddles, right, your car could drift. So it's going to be raining. Enjoy the weekend. I know we have a lot of things happening, um, but be careful. Be careful wear your raincoat. And I cannot emphasize enough that two feet of water. I learned something and I was like, wow, because he was like, even if there's a pothole in two feet of water, you could drift. Right. And so it's not it's not just about the depth of the water. So just be careful on the road. Get your supplies. Get ready to snuggle in. We got rain from the fourth to the seventh. 
Meteor Center, good morning. Hello. Good morning. Um, okay, so I'm going to jump in with, we have Director Fleming in-house. I am so excited to talk to you about all the things that are up. And I want to start with the most obvious. I mean, we have a couple heavy hitting things to talk about. Like there's a juicy press release, you know, responding <laughs> yeah. to um, responding to an issue that was brought out of, you know, a Republican in Congress regarding WAPA, but there's also the energy fair, there's programs you've been running. So you get to pick which one you want to start with. We could, we could start with like the WAPA conversation and transition to the energy fair stuff, or we could start with energy stuff and transition to WAPA. We, what's your flow this morning? It's Friday. Let's, let's start with the energy. Let's start with the, the energy fair. I think that that's something we certainly wanted to, uh, to highlight, especially the collaborative effort between, uh, UVI and, uh, and and the energy office and bringing that together. And first off, good morning, everyone. And don't sell yourself short. Definitely meteorologists in training. <laughs> <laughs> That's why Puerto Rico didn't call in. They're like, oh, summer got it covered. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got this right. <laughs> Hopefully, just don't let me be power in training. Next thing I'll be like, no, let me sit in a power hour. I want to be on the other end. <laughs> Oh, it's, it's 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 not it's a thankless life I can tell you. <laughs> I believe that, but Energy Fair so it was a partnership between the University of the Virgin Islands and the Division of Energy, um, Caribbean Green Technology Center. Yeah, specifically the division. Yeah, the, the division within UVI, the Caribbean Green Technology Center, which. Uh, I mean, really, they, they do a, a lot uh, for us, especially within not just in the energy space, but in the sustainability space. Um, even they, they've actually been the uh, the principal investigators on uh, some of the hazard mitigation planning as well, um, looking at, you know, water resources, uh, flooding, you know, threats. So, they, they, you know, they're very all inclusive, really. I, I'd like to just put them under the sustainability umbrella. Um, but that's why it was perfect working with them at, on the the energy fair, which we conducted in. Uh, St. Croix this past Sunday and in St. Thomas on the 15th. So, you know, we made sure we had both districts accounted for. Um, St. Croix, you know, as we, the, the rain continually uh, kind of put a little bit of a little bit of a damper on the parade out there this past Sunday, but we still had a really great showing. Uh, St. Thomas had a really great showing. And what we ended up really trying to promote is, is energy and sustainability education. Uh, so we had, it, not only was it, uh, presentations, but we also had a number of vendors, so a number of solar vendors, recycling, um, some you know waste management. Uh, you know, WAPA was there as well. We had a lot of representation from various uh, energy-related, sustainability-related entities within the community, uh, being able to get out and be in front of uh, and really provide some information, outreach. I think actually the Children's Museum was here on St. Croix as well, and. Uh, Okay. Yeah. So, um, and we, we ended up having, uh, some, some panelists come in. We, we brought a keynote speaker in from, uh, it's actually originally from Barbados, a gentleman by the name of Martin Ford was a keynote speaker on both St. Croix and St. Thomas. Uh, and he was really, uh, his role currently is he provides what we call like knowledge, uh, knowledge management across various islands within the region. So he works closely with, uh, utilities, energy offices, um, and utility leaders across the Caribbean, and he's uh, his name is as I said, his name is Martin Ford, uh, and his his role has really been in trying to connect the ideas, bring the um, you know basically removing the reinvention of the wheel, especially as it mm. pertains to uh, you know the energy transition in the Caribbean. Uh, so he's really a wealth of knowledge of of how to effectively and the value of uh, of not necessarily having this siloed 
information and experience, but really the value of, of sharing that and, and making sure that there's an awareness around you know what's working, what's not working. You know, trying to trying to be be optim uh, efficient um, in this energy transition across the Caribbean. So he was a great uh, keynote speaker to have. You know, I think it was one of the things that's been key for us as the energy office. We used to do a lot of in-person outreach, and you know, COVID cre obviously created a a damper, put a damper on that. So being able to return to our our our, our natural cadence of getting the information, empowering the communities, you know, that's the phrase I, I like to use uh, because, you know, we realize that energy can be a nuanced space for many. Uh, and sometimes, yes, a press release or maybe a Facebook post might be helpful in some ways, but the value of being able to just get in front of someone, have them ask the questions, uh, you know, those type of engagements are really, really fruitful for us. And so we're really happy we could put that event on this past week. So one, when you were talking the thing that lit up is when you're talking about the keynote speaker, Mr. Ford, mm -hmm. really impressing upon us that we don't have to reinvent the wheel. Other islands in the Caribbean are working on energy, clean energy, solar energy, wind energy. They have common geography. They have common mm -hmm. challenges. And we could learn we can learn from what other people already know and vice versa. We have information from the things that we're learning that Mm -hmm. We can share, right? So, you know, which it, I'm going to just say it, even though there are people who probably still think it's controversial, like, so even in our experiment with the Teslas, right? Mm -hmm. That's information we could share with other, oh, yeah. with other Caribbean islands, how it works, how it doesn't work. And the last time you were on, we kind of, I just want to highlight for people the thing that was clarified for me when we talk about innovation and experiment, you know, your division is the one place in the government where that's actually like encouraged the way you address problems. You, you are this, you're the spear of the innovation yes. in, in energy. So things that seem like, Oh, that shouldn't, that's not what we should be doing. No, actually we are testing. Right. Yep. So we don't have all the answers. We're prototyping this in hopes we have, we have some educated guesses. We've done the research to say that this could be helpful. Now we're going to actually see if it is. And, there are people. We had one of them here who take who can take that information and get it to other people, mm -hmm. um, and so now we're not experimenting in a silo, um, which exactly. to me is encouraging because we leverage in other. You know, we're leveraging oh, the learning from other people, and 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 the right people too. Because like that's you know uh, obviously from a you know we're we're the Virgin Islands Energy Office for example is a state energy office and so a lot of the times when we go to conferences or have workshops it's with other states and while there is certainly relevancy to be to be to be you know extracted there's also the size where it's like when they're talking about gigawatt hour you know size you know um utilities when we're talking about you know on the low end of megawatt size here like there's a scale that certain solutions that can you know be readily available or make perfect sense to them just on applying in our world and that's not across the board but you know, it's it's nice to know that if we're talking about transportation electrification with you know with Barbados Anguilla St. Vincent it's the same conversation right we're talking about the same type of grid you know if we're talking about solar deployment if we're talking about you know looking at wind possibilities you know, there's very, yes, everybody has their own topography, but we're not talking about, you know, orders of magnitude differences in uh, the type of, uh, you know, kind of utility and, and, and grid structure that we have here. So that's just keeping more relevancy, obviously keep, keeps people more engaged. And again, it makes it, it makes the, you, know, you, you listen more in, especially when you know that this speaks, like a, a solution that's being discussed is something that we are, could be repackaged and directly applied here. 
incredibly valuable. So because scale matters, right? So I always tell people a solution. It is hard to take a, a best practice that has been developed for you know, a place, you know, a hundred times our size. I use agriculture as my lens, mm-hmm. right? Like a farming practice that is developed for Texas mm-hmm. in terms of land management, right? Crop rotation, how to manage your land every seven, they, they will be like every seven years you put, the, you put a field in fallow for seven years mm. before you reintroduce a crop or livestock or whatever. I'm like, that can't walk in the Virgin Islands because the size, the, the amount of land our farmers are working with will not allow yep. for or that lo- that breadth of location to be you can't let our rest for seven mm-hmm. years they're not working with a hundred acres their average person is working with five to ten so i'm always like it is hard to take a best practice and deduce it right. um for what is needed for our community but it's much easier to take um a best practice and scale it up right and so some places that's why i think the virgin islands is a key place for innovation oh, yeah. to happen because People can multiply, iterate what we create, but it's quite hard for us to, you know, like to reduce Mm -hmm. what they have created to fit our our unique needs. So loving the fact that the energy fair was uh, in person touch point again and that people came out and you're talking about partnership across agencies. Mm -hmm. that, That again is another strong win. No, it's it's and I think that that's, you know, we we try to be collaborative in, in most things that we do. You know, we talk about the the Tesla Bridges earlier. That was a collaboration as well in terms of working with different agencies, identifying vehicle needs and aggregating buying power from from various grants that were received to to make, you know, make that investment. And so this, you know, the energy fair being another iteration of, you know, seeing, okay, there's we don't we we don't have to compete amongst each other, right? Especially when we especially as we agencies have if there's a line goals, but maybe different, you know, trajectories that are taken to achieve them, like it's perfect for us to again combine that. Whereas, you know, you get to lean on the academic side of of of, um, of UVI and and what they and what that side brings to the table, especially from an energy standpoint. And then the, as you said, the innovation. I think I'm gonna start dubbing us the R and D division, especially as it pertains to pertains to energy, which is great. I mean, every every people, I think sometimes, um, you know, people maybe who are not as familiar with you know, some type, different type of corporate, and especially in the engineering and, and technical space. Yeah, you have your operation team. Yes, you have your marketing teams. But all of these, you know, ins- institutions, you know, on the mainland, they have an R&D division, right? Because that, that is where you spend the time, again, exploring, exploring maybe sometimes speculative. And, you know, we mix, right? Obviously, we, we have traditional kind of base, you know, standard programs like our rebate program. That's a cyclical, something that we continue to do. And we have some of those program tracks that are, you know, kind of standardized and just kind of routine. But then we also have, you know, these other pots of funds that we can leverage to do things that are far more creative. Like, for example, one of the grants that we just received is going to be for shift, uh, not just procurement of electric vehicles, but actually procurement of commercial electric vehicles. So now we know we've, we've, we've got the light duty passenger vehicles under wraps. So now let's start looking at the other vehicle types that are transitioning to electrification. And now we've, we've received a grant to support the procurement of those. So we're going to be getting some Ford Transit, you know, like the Transit vans, the cargo vans. So they make an electrified version of those. So we'll be getting some of those here in the territory pretty soon. And not only are we getting a, a different type of electric vehicle, we're also looking at different types of charging. So one of the challenges that people are always like, well, with the charging stations, where are you going to charge? Or where are you going to charge when, when WAPA goes down, when the grid goes down? 
And so one of the innovations that are that's already is well developed and we actually additionally got funding to support is battery coupled charging stations. So mm. the chart that like instead of so it, it's the charging stations are still coupled to the grid, but instead of um, if you know if for example if the grid goes down, there's still charging capacity that you can still charge the vehicle because the charger itself has a battery built into it. So that way you're not as susceptible to the variability of what's happening at the grid level and that you can still sustain the charging even in, in an outage. And so, you know, knowing that people, like there's already concerns about our current system, we're also looking at solutions that already address the concerns of the community while still being able to allow us to move forward in innovation. And, you know, that, that again, is like one of the values of our agency in terms of what we have the ability to do in terms of experimenting, in terms of identifying creative solutions for sometimes for problems that people don't even know exist yet. You know, um, I am always so happy to talk to a person where I'm learning something as like I say, I feel like I'm learning. And as we, you know, we're going to prepare to go for a break. And then when we come back from break, I want to talk about everybody says clean energy, clean energy, clean energy, right? Like, how do you do clean energy if you don't test it? And so even like the grant funds you receive and the prototyping that you all are doing is amazing. I am Summer Sibley Brown. This is WTJX. We will be back after the break. St. Croix, our mobile apps provide access to business accounts on the go, and our merchant card services accept credit and debit payments anywhere, anytime. Plus, the online banking platform means your bank is always open. Bank of St. Croix has two locations, one in Gallows Bay at 340-773-8500 and one in Peter's Rest at 340-713-8500. BankofStCroix.com. Music can be an incredibly personal experience. A song can inspire you, it can comfort you, it can make you feel understood, it can even take you back to a specific moment in your life. And it all begins with the artist. Join me, Raina Duras, as I get personal through in-depth interviews with your favorite musicians and find out where those songs come from on World Cafe. Weekdays at 10 p.m. 
on WTJX FM 93.1. Chris Jackamick, I served in the United States Air Force and I deployed three times. So in 2017, I was serving as an Air Force First Sergeant. Our motto in that role is my job is people, everyone is my business. But unfortunately in that year, I would lose my own brother, Lance Corporal Adam Jackamick, to suicide. The majority of veteran suicides are from guns. I store my weapons securely, not only for myself, but for my family. Store all your guns securely. Help stop suicide. My service never stops. Brought to you by N Family Fire and the Ad Council. Throughline is always looking for a new spin on historical events we think we understand. And we're so excited and proud that our series on Afghanistan won a Peabody Award. The history of Afghanistan has too often been told by those who tried and failed to control it from outside. We wanted to bring you this history from the voices of Afghans themselves. Listen to Throughline from NPR every week, Saturdays at 7 a.m. and Sundays at 2 p.m. on WTJX FM 93.1. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It is an overcast Friday, and I am reminding you all that there will be flash flood warnings this weekend, right? From November 4th through the 7th, um, we're going to have heavy rains. So be careful, prepare, stock up, get some batteries. And I'm saying that as I speak to um, Director Fleming of Power Hour. This is the Power Hour. This is this is an anchor conversation that we're having about energy. It happens all the time here and analyze this because energy is important. We know like one of the most vexing, intractable problems that did not just begin that we've been battling with the better of 50 years, right? I'll say is our energy, right? Mm -hmm. And um, we've had different minds, different brains step to the table to, to take a stab at how, how to solve it and, and before the break, we were we're talking about the energy fair and how great that was to be in person. We kind of led into a little bit about a grant you you are receiving to do um, electrification of commercial vehicles. Yep, uh, electrification of commercial vehicles and battery based charging stations. So charging stations that can can op- operate in the even in the uh, in the event of the grid being down. So, you know, you sit in two positions, right? You are the director of energy. You're also the president of the board of WAPA, mm-hmm. right? Uh, they call it the chairman. The chairman. The, 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 the title, like titles are... Titles picky, mean nothing to you, but, 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 but I like it. The chairman. Yeah. Um, and I think for the person out there listening, saying all of this is well and dandy, I still have power issues now. Why are they focusing on the electrification of vehicles when people should be focusing on, you know, getting our kilowatt rate down? Um, what would you say to that? Yeah, I mean, I think that the the reality is, and we, we're very sensitive to the fact that, as you mentioned, such long-standing issues have created uh, very low patience, I think, from the community, and justified low patience from the community as it, as it pertains to relieving, you know, the burden of, that energy has, you know, bestowed upon the Virgin Islands community for quite some time. But I think what's 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 key and what we always try to highlight is 
while we're clearly dealing with the near term, you know, those the, the, the current challenges, the current reliability challenges, the current cost challenges, which are you know, monumental, uh, certainly take time and a lot of resources and a lot of skill. And those are those things are happening. But it's in parallel with those things occurring. We also have to think about the future as well and the long term transitions, because, you know, energy is going to be something that we all continue to live with and utilize. If anything, uh, humans interactions with energy has only grown over the last 50 years. You know, if you think of like how everything is digital now uh, from your everything from the, the phones, your computers, obviously your TVs, and now even looking at your appliances, you're seeing more electric electric uh, type uh, appliances as well. And we talk about it for transportation. So the, the, the energy interactions are growing. And so, you know, from our standpoint, we have to also think of for our utility, the changes that need to happen today, but also those for the future as well. Uh, and you, we can do those at the same time. Uh, so when we're looking at trying to bring down the rates with new generators, for example, like the new generation in St. Thomas, the Wardzilla generators, you know, that's that's a, a very near term solution set to be able to lower our fuel consumption. So we know fuel is the most expensive part of our operation right now. We're trying to reduce that as effectively and as quickly as possible. That generator install, which is which is um, expected to be complete in Q1 of 2023, is going to have an immense effect on that. So yes, we we know we're fixing that problem, but at the same time, if we once as we continue to make the fixes for uh, across this grid, and once we complete all of that, we're, we haven't been thinking about the future. Then we're going to be you know three or four years ahead, and then we're starting from scratch. My thought is you know let's let's do two like let's you know. Chew, uh, walk and chew gum at the same time. Right? Get out of my brain. That was exactly <laughs> what I was going to come in with. Is like so. What you're what you're saying is we actually have to hold attention between both. We have to walk and chew gum at the same time. It's not a want to, right? What I'm hearing mm-hmm. is I have to because you know, as a citizen of the Virgin Islands, we I I get I get my WAPA bill, so I feel the near and dear, and like I'm seeking immediate relief. But I also feel like what the conversation about, I want to call it future proofing, right? Like, how are we thinking about what our future needs? Like, Mm -hmm. so I might not feel all of the resolve of this situation. I'm, I'm, I'm alive and living my life and and paying my WAPA bill and my energy and managing my energy in the time where we're fixing Mm -hmm. something, but maybe the next generation that comes behind us have a different experience with more consistent, more efficient, more affordable, cleaner energy. And, and that's, and that is just the reality. Like, it's like, it's like, there's really, it, it it really is what it is, is that we really actually we're living in a space where we're trying to address an issue that has existed for far too long. And, I, you know, the question I asked myself when you were talking is how do you how do you solve something that has been around for 50 years in in five right that's because that's what yeah. it feels like people are like we need the answer now and i get i'm tired too like mm-hmm. i get why people are tired and i was just like the complexity of the problem is 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 my expectation that kyle fleming sitting in his position for two years right oh <laughs> however mm-hmm. long should be the one who gives me that answer today yeah and i, I think that that's where it's you know it's like it's, it's, it's trying to to throttle the expectations within a very justifiably impatient community again, because that's we understand. Like people, we know that as 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 long as people have suffered, you know people are going to want that instant gratification. But what I what I try to get people to understand is that you know this isn't the type of thing where 
just fixing a couple bad habits all of a sudden, you know, sets us on the path for success. Like it's, it's not just, it's, these aren't minor changes. Uh, we're talking about major infrastructure transitions. Like let's take Veterans Drive, for example, in St. Thomas. We see how much years that massive undertaking, you know, required. Uh, but it's complete now. And look at what it, what it provides in terms of not just mm-hmm. an access point, but also, I mean, just a, a, a beautiful, uh, a beautiful you know, landmark for, mm-hmm. for, the, for, the, for the Virgin Islands. Um, you know, the same way we look at major changes at the energy level. So, for example, I, I talked about the word Zola projects earlier. You know, one of the things pe- that one of the, this, as we kind of mentioned earlier in terms of, or we, we talked about before the show in terms of the, um, you know, the kind of the congressional pressure that was up- tried to be applied. You know, they're saying that we're wildly behind schedule. We don't even have the generation, you know, on site. Um, you know, the projects you know, just delayed, delayed, delayed. And none of that is true at all. Um, you know, the work has, work has continued to be done and, and is nearing completion. But one of the things that we, you know, we highlight is even when a, a project like that, so this is, this is four generators, 36 megawatts on St. Thomas. When that project was first, the notice to proceed was back in 2020. The expected timeline was nearly two years on, you know, from the blue sky conditions from the onset. That wasn't even taken into account what COVID did and the effects that that had on every supply chain, workforce uh, availability, and all the, the natural delays that come with that. And even still, we're, we're still in a window, in, a, in, you know, in an expected window of completion. But I, what I say that to say is, you know, from the onset, this was going to be a, a multi-year process for, tr- for transitioning these, for, uh, putting these, installing and, and commissioning these generators. And that's why I say it's like, you know, it's not just like a small, like, you know, these things aren't fixed by small habits. They're, they're fixed by multi-year large industrial projects. If anybody's going to sit there and say that they could do it faster, it's just not how it works. That, that they also are, and that there's a danger to trying to oversimplify these complex systems I'm not saying that they're, you know, they're, they're too hard to, to grasp. It's just more so we have to be realistic in terms of the time that it takes to, to get us out of these 50-year struggles um, and know that at least, you know, a dedicated and a concerted effort to kind of transition out. I mean, we're, we're going to get there. I think it's getting people comfortable with the fact that, yes, it's not going to happen as quickly as we all want to, but that, isn't, but that, that shouldn't be a disruptor for the progress that's actually being made. Um, when you were talking, I also was in my head like saying, so when you said complexity, like I think about the work that I've done, right? And you, a very smart person says to me all the time, I don't know what I don't know. So mm-hmm. even when you have a plan, even when you're replacing infrastructure, even when you're doing capital improvement, best laid plans, right? You get in there, something's different, something you're like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's in workforce, whether it's in access to materials, whether, you know, we live remotely, yeah. we are extremely rural. Um, and so I, I have now learned in managing my own grant, um, all of the ways that I am the roadblocks and barriers Mm -hmm. to executing something in the Virgin Islands, like the time gaps, the supply chain, um, the workforce, right? The workforce, um, the, the change in the cost, because sometimes when I, I budgeted for something, right. And then by the time the funding came, 
Um, that yeah. thing no longer cost <laughs> mm-hmm. what was in the budget. So now I have to fill a gap because or the it expired in terms of what I thought it'd be mm-hmm. able to bring in a specific contractor. And now I need a new contractor and that contractor cost $20,000 more, you know, significantly yeah. more than I had budgeted for. So then I have to run around and like, where can I fill this gap? Where can I fill this gap? Where can I fill this gap? And so there's like a lot when you say complexity, it really for me you're right. It's not that it's about um, it being something that people cannot comprehend. It's just like when you up closer in in a deep like infrastructure project th- that has layers of bureaucracy because mm-hmm. it like I'm talking from a nonprofit standpoint that have much less layers <laughs> um, to engage with right. than you. And so for me, this is an excuse making. It's kind of like reality. Like this is this is the water that we are in. Every project that capital improvement project, infrastructure project that the government takes on, they got like seven more layers than I have to than I as a small business or nonprofit have to deal with. And if I am like stuck, I can't I can't imagine there are multiple places of stuckness, which is why I kind of like the power our concept because it's a place where people could get real time information. You can yep. ask factual questions. You could, you got could actually hear what's happening. Hopefully you're hearing the progress, but you, you know, and, um, you still have an opportunity to voice or feel your concern because at the end of the day, that too is also real. And it's like, Oh, well they ain't saying again, no solutions, but like people are working. Yeah, and and I think that that's where I think one of the things that we realize, um, we you know I think from the from the board level, especially in in conversations with uh, with the the not just the leadership team but just the, the you know the entire organization, you know in terms of us getting better about how we communicate even the incremental progress that's being made, you know even though sometimes again like people might not have the as much of an appreciation for the little like for the little stuff because they want the you know the the big win the uh, you know, the, they want to f- this feel the the difference, especially in their pocket. And, we, you know, we're but at the same time, we have to appreciate the process that, <clears throat> uh, you know, that we're on in terms of getting to that point where we're actually seeing that uh, that change or that that positive impact uh, in people's pocket. And so that's getting people more custom and familiar with the strides that are being made, because, you know, one of the things that <clears throat> I brought up the Veterans Drive Project earlier because you know that's that's a project where the incremental progress is very visible to the community right you you know even if you know driving by there or even being di- redirected around traffic during its construction you're aware that there is uh, uh you know this evolution this change is occurring uh and the community is very much so you know it's very front of mind to the community whereas if you know when we're doing major uh you know generation transitions within the within the power plant nobody's going to see that, you know, that's, you know, we're not a public, it's not, that's not a public facing piece of infrastructure. So generators being connected, control rooms being built out, none of that is going to be visible to the community unless we're very proactive about putting that information out there. And I think that that's something, that's a, a, a shift that we're looking to do. You know, we've got a new uh, communications team in play or director uh, in play at the authority. We're working with, with closely with them on trying to figure out how we can, uh, you know, kind of st- strategically ensure that our communications are getting uh, getting to the to the intended audience within our community, so that way people can start feeling a bit more connected to the progress that's being made, as opposed to just kind of feeling they're sitting in the dark, not well, literally and figuratively at times. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, 
and I'm thinking that there's no resolution, there's no actually effort to try to correct that. So in response, um, what would you say? Because I was trying to find on the website if you guys had a press release out that responded to the um, Republican senator or Republican congressperson who called who called for HUD to kind of like step in or, or who's asking questions. And, and in our off-air conversation, we were talking about the delegate also, you know, mm-hmm. playing a role. And so she put out a press release. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like when people are frustrated, you know, like you see even Congress saying X, Y, and Z. And so like what are the misnomers that, you know, were in that particular request that you just kind of want to re- refute and that the delegate refuted like that's that's not actually what's happening yeah so so a, a big part of that and, we, and and um the water power authority did put out a, a press release uh setting the record straight on uh what the the false claims that were in the article and, and a lot of them really were f- uh, framed around the wardzilla project they they used that as kind of the uh the justification for why uh, more oversight is needed. They were trying to say that this project that has, you know, gone off the rails, that they got the wrong generators, hasn't made any progress relative to installation, despite this 2017 uh, being, you know, awarded, you know, tw- after the 2017 storms. Uh, so, you know, the the key things that we addressed in, from, that WAPA addressed in the the press release was one, um, immense progress has been made, uh, and and that the base that the project, especially based off its initial timeline. Uh, is 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 well aligned and 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 moving uh, moving in with the expectations. Pl- you know, taking into consideration the uh, some of the delays that resulted as of uh, a result of the COVID nineteen pandemic, uh, as well as that the fact that these generators are the right generators that they are propane generators that are uh, designed to work with our existing fuel supply or our our preferred fuel supply, which is propane, um, and also the fact that you know highlighting that without expanding our propane fleet we're going to continue to have massive inefficiencies which means that we're going to keep guzzling gas more in you know but through a result of having inefficient generators and this system is actually going to have a direct impact on reducing our fuel consumption which in turn is going to uh, provide relief in terms of the cost of our operation which extends obviously to the community as well um you know the the delegate's response i think which was created you know it was clear in support of you know what we've laid out is you know all the all the refuting points, but also addressing the fact that you know the the approach and the process by which these uh, Republican senators try to you know essentially denounce what, what was happening here in the Virgin Islands was totally askew. You know, sending letters to directly to HUD, and she kind of highlighted the fact that there's a clear process by which, if there is a concern, for it to be addressed, and that was not the case. So that was not the the strategy that. These Republicans took, and it's clear that that was for some some other internal reason that you know may come to light at some point. And you are listening to analyze this power hour. We'll be right <laughs> back after the break.
You got your bumper stickers and you had sign up, Paulie? Yes, I'm so ready for this election season. Me too. Just waiting for the info on the polling places and then ballots. What polling places? You mean voting centers? The election system is using voting centers this year, where you can go anywhere across the island, walk in, fill out a ballot. Just bring your ID. Really? Because my daughter lives in Tutu, but walk all the way by the airport and would try to run back home before the sun goes down to vote. Nope. You're no longer stuck to just your neighborhood on election day. Voting centers mean you can vote anywhere in your district. And the next time, try the early voting option too. Skip the line all together on election day. Girl, you have all the good tips this year, man. So, who's going to win? Ha! Read my yard sign. Then pick any voting center. Just remember, voting is not just your right. It's, it's the, the right, right thing, thing to do. A message from the election system of the Virgin Islands. My name is Teresa Barber. I was in the United States Navy and I served overseas in the Middle East and Africa. Early on in my career, I had a commander that taught our suicide prevention training and then the very next day he took his own life. 90% of suicide attempts involving a gun are fatal. My way of continuing my service is to help protect my community by being a responsible gun owner and by storing firearms safely. Store all your guns securely. Help stop suicide. Brought to you by N Family Fire and the Ad Council. Weekday mornings are a juggle, sometimes even a struggle. Morning Edition from NPR News eases you into your day and keeps you company through the chaos of a busy morning. Hear interviews that give you context on the day's biggest stories, along with reporting and updates on the latest breaking news. Stay on top of the world with Morning Edition every weekday. From 5 to 8 a.m. on WTJX-FM 93.1. And we are back. So we are rounding out the, I mean, power, I want to go so quick. Is it because I'm talking to you, Kyle? Because I feel like our time, I mean, we have the second, we have the, we have the last leg, but it feels like every time we're talking, I guess, because I'm enjoying the conversation, it goes so, so quickly. Um, And before the break, what we were talking about, you know, we, I, I, the press release is, listen, is, is on the WAPA website. Um, Like, and when I went back, you hit press releases, it's there. It's it's point by point. I did a good scheme. If you're interested in 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 hearing, mm-hmm. um, in hearing the perspective of Wapa, um, to to the Republican Congress members' answer, and and the delegate also has a press release out. Read it. Look at it. I'm encouraging balanced information, and I think one of the things is that we are so tired of our energy crisis that in a moment when you know, even an outsider, it seems like, you know, somebody's like, hey, mm-hmm. I want to be a champion on this. These people, something's wrong. Go vet that for yourself. We live we live in an age where people use misinformation, distractive tactics um, to kind and, and play on people to like gaslight yes. them and incite them. And that actually doesn't solve our problems. So there is a press release there. The delegates response, um, you know, write an email to the people at WAPA if there's something in there that you need clarification on. And then you decide how enraged or not enraged to be because like I feel like this is a sensitive. I feel like this is a sensitive space. Engineer, 
yeah so your mic on so i feel like this is a sense so i feel like this is a sensitive space for us as virgin islanders because we are we are sensitive to our energy crisis right and so the first time you feel like oh, you see everybody don't know that this is what's happening all i'm saying is you have the right to feel that way um, I'm going to go do my critical background check, right? Yes. I'm having this conversation yes. before I determine what side I stand on. I'm going to read the press release, read the delegates, read this carefully, and then seek more information for myself to determine whether I agree with a Republican congressperson or not. Well, and that, that was actually, you know, one of the, one of the closing statements of uh, the delegates' uh, press release was encouraging people to do exactly that. Do your own research don't rely on the headline you know because i think that's what happens so much and i think again because there's already such a so, so much resentment built up people see a headline that matches their feeling and they'll just you know without looking any deeper into it just assume that or, or, or absorb that and, and just take that as you know as the truth and it's so important especially where we know that there is in a world of great you know there's tons of information available but as, as we also know there's tons of misinformation it's so much more important for i mean i can't echo that statement enough for people to do the research do their own due diligence don't allow don't allow somebody especially someone who has you know has never shown any interest in you as a human to be then dictating you know and, and now trying to sh like act as if they're somehow trying to sympathize with you or trying to show like you know show interest in you do your own look at the information is out there you know we for example like a project like this we had just the same what's funny is the same project that um that they were trying to use as the, to weaponize as uh, as a a measure our, our our deficiencies was actually a project last week during our board meeting that we were provided a comprehensive and detailed update on from the engineering team relative to how much progress, the progress there was made, you know, you've showed us pictures and there's a board meeting, this is a public board meeting, right? So people like the, the media is on, the community can join the board meeting. These are public forums and we're talking about this same project and the progress that's being made. That same project is then weaponized and because, again, maybe because not enough information from that board meeting got out to the public, you know, now they're, they're using this one piece of information that they received or that this one article that got circulated and totally totally missing the real the real crux of what's happening which which we also presented so again that that's us getting better at, at making sure we're getting the information out there um not just for this project but for all the progress that's being made across the authority i think that's something we're going to make sure uh is is a priority because we don't want any type of false narrative to be you know taking over especially and so we're really trying to take better control of that narrative for the authority because for a while i think you know, the media has really controlled it and dictated it. Um, and that, that has been very detrimental to, you know, the trying to reestablish the brand and reputation of the authority. Um, it, you know, it, it's very hard to do that when you don't have control of your own narrative. And so it's, it's critical for us to start being more engaged at that level. Um, and, you know, and, and again, asking the community to be patient and willing to also open their mind to, uh, you know the transitions that we're we're actually under that are underway here in the territory. So I mean, I'm going to put out a charge to our listenership. You know, like if you listen to analyze this, if, if if Wapa and energy is something that you are extremely motivated around because you're feeling the brunt of it, here's an opportunity for you to start participating in mm -hmm. in by by paying by attending the public 
board meetings, right? Because mm-hmm. then you get to hear for yourself, then you get to learn for yourself, then you get to have questions for yourself. And so when you do read media pieces, you could say, well, they said this in the board meeting, they said this here, I should be able to find this here. Um, because even we need to be able, um, we also have in this day and age opportunities to show up differently mm-hmm. and um what i'm encouraging and you know i didn't used to do this so this is just the like a growth change for me is is there yes there are layers of accountability in our community and wapa has a board and that board if their information is now public and i have access to it if i care to know i can attend right um we have a board of education that does the same thing and mm-hmm. this is not the only place that right, has right. boards right. that are having public meetings everybody ain't gonna go to everything but as a community we we are now increasingly having more access to the inner workings of how decisions are being made mm-hmm. and, and being able to receive real-time information do you because you're receiving the information i'm reviewing it i mean you get your board packet, I'm sure, but like that discussion is happening oh, real yeah, time. So the presentations you, happen in real time. The the, the Q and A is after the fact. You know, it's, you know, some things aren't. Sometimes you, you, things aren't approved, and we talk about why they're not approved or if they are approved. You know, so it's it's definitely again. I I I, I agree fully. Like you know, there's these are platforms, these are forums. You know that that the the community has. Um, you know, we provide. I mean, we we have to we have to announce when we're, we're having a board meeting. We have to announce what's. On the agenda, all this information goes out to the the press and and the public as well. So, we're, we're, as as much as people feel as if there's you know some dark and shadowy activity going on in there, uh, you know trans- transparency is clear, is is always our priority. Um, and there's but, nothing for us to hide in that way. And I want to encourage y'all to watch it for a different reason too, right? I keep saying this because it was meaningful to me. Alan Nance was on and he's like, people never quit something because it's hard. The guy who started Startup Battle here in the VI and well, he started in Atlanta, brought it to VI. He said, because they didn't know it was possible. Mm -hmm. People don't quit things because they're hard. They quit things because they don't feel it possible. And so even if you have children in your home, young people, um, college, getting ready to go out to college, people in high school, and you're figuring out, you know, my son's interested in energy. He's interested in engineering. He's interested, you know, in all of these things. He might be the next head of WAPA. You know, there's there's, there's right. five, ten yeah. years. Like, And so how do we get them out? Like, my son might come back home and, and, and fill a board seat mm-hmm. in one of these really powerful, and my daughter, I keep saying son, but my child, son or daughter, might come back and do that. We want to bring back Virgin Islanders. We want our young people to fill these seats. That's also a way that they get to learn and see and experience. Like, oh, that person, look, just, like, you know, like, they, that's that's me. Like, that, that could be me in a few years. And it's also acclimating them to some of the systems that govern and how they govern and they may not love it they may actually want to change it mm-hmm. but making that visible um for our young people is so so important you know i, I, I love that you said that because that was you know i tell you all the time my the what my inspiration for taking the academic and professional track that i did which was energy all throughout like i'll you know my my Masters in, in, in energy systems. I've only worked in the energy space professionally, uh, and it's because I knew that there was always going to be a need for this for that resource here in our community. And it's it's especially looking at something that's an area that's been such a challenge for as fifty plus years. 
why like that's such a motivation to come down and, and want to be a part of the solution like that's been my driving fact and i everything that i've done there's no anomalies to it it's it's identifying a need in this space it's aligning my again like academic and professional career to equip myself with a tool set that i feel like is 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 viable and and applicable to uh you know being not just you know a cog in the machine but actually being a leader within this space and that that opportunity is still widely abundant. I mean, since when I st- when I when I went for my master's in energy systems, there was maybe like two universities or three universities in the U.S. that offered that. Now, almost every school has an energy systems program because it's very clear how dynamic this industry is and how much more of a workforce that needs to be behind it and strategically built to support it. And so that is, if I, if there's anything from this conversation, I would impress and, and echo your statement fully that you know the opportunity to actually be a part of the changes here, especially as it relates to energy. I mean, it's, it's so exciting and it's such a dynamic field where whether it's in vehicles, whether it's in batteries, whether it's in solar, whether it's in more efficient generators or fuel supply, like there's so many different like sectors of need that if you're interested in actually being a part of the problem, there's so many ways to equip yourself. And I, 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 do, I do stress the fact of equipping yourself. And I think that there's a key thing there is that we're not going to have all the solutions here. We still have to rely on the world of knowledge. We talked about knowledge management earlier in terms of like looking at regional comparisons. There's still like foundational knowledge is that I think it's, it's still very important for people to step outside of the VI to recognize how different solutions are, again, are working, not working, and then also be able to build that tool set to then bring here and have impact. I think while it, it's also a clear path to growing from within, I think, it's, I think there's a combination but I think it's very it's important for us, especially as we look at like look at like if we take Wapa for example, right? That's been a challenge system for a very long time. You know, we need we need a, a whole plethora of ideas from various industries, various regions, various places to then be able to figure out okay, what's the right package of solutions for us. But again, that that path is 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 more abundantly available today than it was ten years ago, and I, I could stress heavily for you know our community to actually seek those out. And it's going to continue growing. And so like, the, and those are the ways, right? Where like, we feel like, oh my God, this is never going to end. The best resource to, to, to continuing to make this problem lessen and easier and more efficient is the next generation, is our young people, yeah. is the workforce that we create, is the innovative minds that we encourage. And so it is about talking about the problem and then also understanding that there is great opportunity um, for us to match the need and so that's that's making that's like looking at okay so there's a pathway here for something while we're in this problem and we're feeling it and it's really hard and i really vex and i don't want to go pay this ridiculous wapa bill i am also aware that there's great opportunity and how do i help younger people who hearing about this because it's like this is a quality of life issue and people are like frustrated. How do I help younger people recognize that it, within this issue, even if you go away to school and decide to come back or have these experiences, that you can be part of the solution and that solution can afford you, you know, a top tier career path um, where you're actually also serving your home. You, you know, you could go out there and come back and bring what you know and make that useful. And I just, 
just you know i was speaking to a, i was speaking to a young person yesterday a person younger than me in their 20s and we were having lunch and every time we talked about a problem she was just like there but there's so much opportunity yeah. why aren't we why aren't we blah, blah, blah. you know she, every everything we talked about she she was so curious why we weren't kind of yes naming this as a problem and then like trying to to make an opportunity happen out of it and i was just like and then she said every person i talk to seems to be so closed to the fact that there are there are opportunities here yeah. and i was just like if our young people are feeling like we're talking to them from a really close and closed and narrow space and in this case we're talking about energy and talking about wapa um what is encouraging them to, to be part of a solution that we don't even want to be open enough to have a right. conversation about the solutions. That was just like a exclamation point of some <laughs> check your, your your disposition. Um we got two minutes about and I wanted oh, we didn't talk we didn't talk about the we didn't talk about the energy okay, loan yeah. program that's yeah, yeah. been open and people could go get solar like make that yeah, no, I, I, no, see, I think to, to your point earlier, we, we get into these these conversations and time really flies. But yeah, no, I'd definitely be remiss if I didn't uh, touch on a, a couple of programs. One one that just closed and then actually one that's upcoming. So the one that just closed or applications just closed was for the uh, Solar Plus financing program. It's one we've talked about on this show um, in the past, with, I think with Neville, I don't know if we directly summer, but uh, what we, what we, we had a, a three-week application window um it's a pilot program so this is this is us stepping into uh trying to create more uh, financing mechanisms to expand accessibility to uh renewable energy so specifically solar and solar plus battery storage um and so we had a three-week application window and which uh and we're going to be currently going through the uh review of the application that we got in uh, we've we've kind of we've got a, it's a pilot program with a set amount of funds, so unfortunately we're we're gonna have to uh, kind of filter down to uh, you know a number of successful applicants that we can provide up to thirty thousand dollar loans for to for the installation of these solar systems. Um, we're go, working through the application process now. We're gonna be getting information out. Um, the goal is before the end of the year to have the um, a, a successful applicants announced um, and kind of setting the stage for the next steps. Um, but definitely want to thank everybody who participated. We had, in three weeks, we had almost over 350 or nearly 350 applications in, in three weeks. Um, so, you know, a, a, a great influx of participation, uh, one that we're certainly happy about. I think it's a testament to the appetite for these type of solutions in the community. Um, and so, you know, again, thanks for everybody that applied and looking forward to getting more information out. I know we're going to agree, but end of the month, Black Friday week, the Energy Efficiency and Renewable Energy Rebate Program. Uh, that's that's our program that we've run for for years, probably if not decades at this point, um, where we provide 40% uh, rebate uh, on Energy Star rated appliances. The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters de personas buenas como tú que puedan proveer a cada votante el apoyo que necesitan para que efectivamente puedan participar en el proceso de votación puede comenzar recogiendo y completando la aplicación para voluntarios de cualquiera de nuestras oficinas en el territorio usted puede servir como monitor también tienes la opción de convertirte en un facilitador asegurando que los votantes que están votando por primera vez los envejecientes y la comunidad de deshabilitados puedan votar con confidencia y acertadamente. 
Si tienes el tiempo y estás dispuesto a servir, hay un lugar para ti. Solo inscríbete. Si quieres más información, llama al 340-773-1021. Y recuerda, el votar no es solo su derecho, es lo correcto hacer.